0: What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 100 of the Adult Education Podcast. Yes, 100. This week, I'm speaking with the brilliant minds behind Feeding Littles. Thanks so much for checking out my show. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to adult education. This show is all about learning new things or maybe learning more about some topics. I speak with experts across all fields to learn more about health, education, technology, mental health, and really just about anything. If you'd like to support adult education, the best way to do so is to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. I love how word of mouth can inspire new people to check out the show. So here we are. We made it to episode 100. Uh, It took me a little longer to get here than I had hoped, but we're here. Uh, I want to just take a second to thank all of you for listening over the last nearly three years of this show. I honestly didn't know what was going to happen when I first launched this show, originally called the Be More Well podcast. It's morphed into something that's really special to me, and a lot of that has to do with the feedback and response that I get from these different episodes that I post. I selfishly pick a lot of these guests because I want to learn more from them, but it seems that you also want to learn more because you tell me how much you love them. So I just I love that. Thank you so much again for all of your time over these last couple of years. Today, I've got two guests that are really special to my family. I'm speaking with Megan McNamee and Judy Delaware from Feeding Littles. If you're a parent of young children, you've likely seen their Instagram before. They share all kinds of tips and advice to help get young children to eat. Through their page, I learned all about baby-led weaning or... Strike that. Let me back it up. I should say my wife did, and I let her tell me all about it. But these women are just simply amazing. They've been an inspiration to so many people, and I think you'll understand why when you hear us chatting in just a second. Megan and Judy have teamed up with journalist and author Ali Mafuchi to write a new recipe book called Feeding Littles and Beyond, 100 Baby-Led Weaning Friendly Recipes the Whole Family Will Love. What's so special about this cookbook is that it's designed for the whole family. Every recipe is perfect to feed your children, but everyone can enjoy it these women came together and really found fun and delicious meals to share with us and they did a great job with this book. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Megan McNamee and Judy Delaware. Hi there.
1: Hi. Hi. I can turn on my camera too.
0: Oh, you're good. If you don't want to be on camera, so I'm not recording this for a video. I'm just recording the audio.
1: Uh, uh, well, it helps to see people. I'm just finishing my makeup. That's why I it oh, off. That's <laughs> No one will see this,
0: but me. So don't worry okay. about it. No judgment uh, here.
1: <laughs> well, we, we laugh cause I, it, we, our first um, radio show this morning started at 6am and then I, I have two kids that I had to get off at school in between that and now. So I'm, I'm just a little hot mess, but it's really no different than any typical, you know, first day back at school. So yeah. it's
0: fine. It's just a different yeah. first day back at school. That's all.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, our my kids started actually in August. Okay. So we have been back in school, but we're, uh, you know, we had the big long weekend. So it's been kind of nice.
0: So, yeah, I find this really interesting because I live in sort of the mid-Atlantic northeast area in Baltimore. And most schools start like the week before Labor Day. Some start the Monday after Labor Day. But in other parts of the country, I hear people starting like the first week of August. And I just think that's so wild.
1: I don't know why we do it, especially because it's so hot here. I mean, Arizona, right. I don't know why we start that early it's ridiculous it's so, the southern sorry.
0: states like i always find it's so interesting yeah. the southern states start so much earlier and i'm like isn't it hot like
1: <laughs> it's terrible yeah but i guess it's hot in june too so i don't know when would they <laughs> unless they decided to give us a three-month summer i think there's no way of avoiding it
0: yeah six in one hand half dozen in another that's pretty much it
1: exactly <laughs> and i used to work in baltimore i um I worked for a medical device company and we, I did um, clinical trials at like the Johns Hopkins okay. facilities out there So for, I mean, I was out there for months on my own by myself. So I got really got to know Baltimore. So it's kind of, it's cool to talk to you.
0: Oh, well, welcome back. I guess I should say.
1: Thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> and Judy, do you have any experience in Baltimore? We should just get this out of the way right now.
2: Oh, we oh, talked about this before, just taking the train from DC there with my kids a long time ago on a spring break and hit all the, uh, I don't know, gift shops and aquarium and all the best places for seafood with a kid, with a kid who's allergic to fish. That's nice.
0: (laughs) You know, every seafood place always has chicken fingers. So you're good. I know.
2: (laughs) I know. Yeah. Hi, how are you doing, Jeff? And you have a little
1: one, right?
0: I do. She is 21 months old tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm
1: impressed that you know how many months she is. That's.
0: I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I I'm so on point with that. Like people ask how old she is and I always say the month and they're like, so I'm like almost two, just say almost two. Yeah. It'll be yep. good. that's
2: awesome
0: <laughs> She yeah. actually came a month early and she was born on my wife and I's first wedding anniversary. oh, oh
2: sweet.
1: That's sweet And She's almost like, to the I'm minute gonna...
0: she came at wow. like six 15 or something PM. And we got married in like the five o'clock hour. So almost to the minute, one year later, it's pretty wild.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs>
0: Well, I I have to say, uh, before having a child, I knew nothing about feeding children. And I think, you know, just to get this out of the way, one of my first big shockers when we actually started giving her solid food was that she didn't really want it and that was so interesting to me because I thought all kids it was just like one of those things that's like ingrained in your DNA when it's time for food you know how to eat but she really struggled with we started with the the purees and the soft foods like most parents do before we you know started getting into more baby led weaning which we'll talk about in a second but she really struggled with the whole adjustment to solid food thing i was very surprised
2: And she was only four weeks early, right?
0: Yes, yeah. So our doctor held us off till about seven months for doing solid foods just to be safe. Um, But yeah, so she was about seven months old, but she would have been six if she had come on time.
2: Right. And that's my my jam. That's what I do. I work with all these preemie babies. um, And your little one wasn't really that early, but, you know, sometimes it makes a difference. They're just not ready.
0: Yeah, early enough. And I also have to say that I... In all the years I've been doing radio, interviewing people, reading books, preparing for podcasts, my wife has never given a damn about anybody that I've interviewed at all. But she saw your book on the counter and she was like, Oh my gosh, the feeding littles, ladies. <laughs> she got so excited. That's-
1: Aww, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. What's her
0: name? Her name is Amanda. Um, Amanda uh, we love you and I could say you might not be able to see it but she took the book and immediately started putting in like sticky notes on all the recipes where
2: did where did she highlight where did she start here's a few My,
0: my daughter took some out but we got strawberry chia jam and cream cheese squares uh veggies two ways let's see here uh, loaded baked potato and zucchini soup. She's a big fan of that. I think most of these are for my wife, <laughs> not for my daughter.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we awesome. well, say hello. And yeah, it's, it's cool to be able to connect with so many parents this way, obviously in private practice, you get to know your people locally and get your network that way. But when you have um, an audience online on Instagram, it's so crazy to see how many people you can interact with and touch and, it's such an honor for us because we just would never have been able to work with this many people and hopefully, you know, be a positive influence to them.
0: Are you surprised at how big the following got through like Instagram and social media and all that?
1: Yes. Um, I can speak to that. Cause I, um I kind of do a lot, most of our content creation as mm-hmm. far as putting the posts together and all the words and everything. And it was really shocking. I will say it's a lot harder even now than it was a few years ago to grow an audience. Um, you know, so many stuff, so many things have changed in the Mm -hmm. Instagram and social media world that it's a very different landscape now, even than it was in 2019, but it's been really shocking. And what's shocking to me is that I, I, and Judy does too. We get recognized pretty much everywhere we go. Mm. And that part is very odd. And I am not, cool about it I'm very awkward I feel still <laughs> I'm always like wait was I was I yelling at my kid or you know do I have something on my face um but that part has been also at the same time so impactful to us because then you can you know days are hard when you do this kind of work and you don't necessarily know if you're making reaching anyone and then you get to meet them in person and they t- tell you their story and it's that's when you really realize how beautiful and amazing this type of work is
0: and Judy, your videos are just amazing. I mean, is there ever a point where you're like, I feel ridiculous while I'm doing this? Uh, like,
2: like <laughs> death. like every single reel. <laughs> and you have to, you got to remember Megan and I, you know, we're not exactly the same age. So somebody my age doing these ridiculous things. And, you know, when we first started doing them, we just thought, well, let's just give it a go and see what happens. We don't know anything about reels. And the first one went nuts. And, I mean, I channel, I, I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years, so I've been channeling babies and toddler behaviors all my life. So I know how to think like a kid. So when I, when we talk about what I'm going to do, I just do it. And people are like, yes, that's exactly, you were in my house. That's exactly what they say. You were in our house. There's a camera here. You know what we were doing. And, um, but there's another part of me that is, you know, what I do on a regular basis. So it's it's ridiculous and I'm so glad that it touches so many people's lives.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I can say, I love every second of it. There was one at the time that we're recording this conversation. There was one where you were uh, talking about kids learning how to drink from cups. And we just had an experience over the weekend where my daughter went and grabbed like a, a solo cup that had water in it. And we were like, let's just see what happens. Let's see where she goes with this. And she so confidently grabbed it with both hands, went to put it in her mouth and she just missed her mouth. And the water just went all over her. We're like, well, thank goodness we brought extra clothes but I was like man I live this every day this is what I'm living
2: (laughs) absolutely absolutely but it just goes to show that we all go through the same thing and as a parent when you say that to another parent you realize oh your kid did that too oh that somehow that feels better that knowing that we're all going through the same types of ridiculousness (laughs) at the same time you know
0: so Megan, I want to jump in here with you for a second because you were teaching baby-led weaning when the two of you met, you and Judy. So tell us a little bit more about baby-led weaning because I feel like that's a term. Now I, I'm a new parent, you know, almost two years, but I had never heard that term before becoming a parent, and now I feel like I hear it everywhere. So I don't know if it's new or if I'm just noticing it because I'm a dad now, but it just seems to be a much more hot topic these days.
1: Yes, and I feel like I've kind of seen the the rise of it in the last ten years. I started teaching baby-led weaning or infant self-feeding of almost 10 years ago in Phoenix. And I was the rebel. Mm. I was the person that only kind of early adopter, more, even more kind of alternative people were taking my class, people that were doing a lot of like, you know, crunchy, crunchy parents, if they would call (laughs) themselves that, um, because it was kind of considered, uh, not the norm. Mm. And it was so interesting because I had done so much research and looked at the data and I was saying, guys, we don't have a lot of strong science to prove that you have to put a spoon in baby's mouth for them to learn how to eat. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but why aren't we reevaluating this? This isn't necessarily how kids have to learn to eat. If we're starting solids, you know, six-ish months or so at that point, they have the developmental ability to put food in their own mouth. And that's really what baby led weaning or infant self-feeding is. It's from the beginning, letting your baby pick up food, either strips of food or food on a spoon or fork that's already loaded for them. And they put it in their own mouth and some babies figure it out right away. Some babies need a lot of time. You know, your daughter needed probably a little bit more practice and exposure. And those are all completely normal and expected things. It's called baby led for a reason. Your baby leads the way. And it used to be, like I said, I was kind of in my field, people were like, what are you doing? And it's so funny now how even people that kind of second-guessed everything we did. Now they're bringing their third baby to our class, or they're the biggest champions of it. It just takes a while for new things to come around. But it's not entirely new. It's really what we had done before commercial baby food was available. We just gave babies pieces of what we ate.
0: If we as humans are anything, we follow traditions, we stick very strongly to things that we believe are correct. So how did the baby food industry get such a strong hold on us where people are so... Uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but so militant to saying like, hey, this is what we are doing. We need to be feeding this puree. We need to stick the spoon in their mouth on their own. Because people are, I've talked about baby-led weaning with people, and they've been very anti the idea. Like, oh, no, 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 I have to feed my baby this. And I'm like, yeah, but is she still eating or he's still eating? Why are you so, you know, against another option?
1: I can speak to that because I've done a lot of the research in this area specifically. Sure. And Judy Judy does a lot of the spoon feeding kind of stuff within her practice, so maybe she'll want to tag along. but. Baby food became popular because we used to feed babies very young, Mm -hmm. in some cases at only a few days of age. And that's because at the time, formula was kind of the only considered modern way to feed babies, but we didn't have the technology to fortify formula with iron. So they had to get iron, a really essential nutrient for babies, in a different way. So that's when they started mashing up and kind of liquefying foods that had iron in them so that babies wouldn't become anemic. So if you look at my father in law's baby book, it literally has three weeks, green beans, four weeks, you know, sweet potatoes. It became very popular because parents needed that option. Plus that developed an entire industry around it. So now we have all of these baby food companies that sprang out of nowhere for people who wanted a convenient, clean option. Cause we didn't all have Vitamixes and nice blenders and stuff (laughs) back in the, you know, early 1900s. And that's kind of something that was That was started because of, you know, a a lack of technology brought about an entire industry, an entire way of doing things. And when you look at the research on infant feeding, it's so funny because it'll say traditionally or by custom, we have done, you know, purees or spoon feeding, but we never had science to prove that that was actually what you needed to do to start because babies before that time were not fed that way and they Mm -hmm. still learned how to eat. So our approach is very gentle. It's not like, oh, you're spoon feeding. That's wrong. Absolutely not if people want to spoon feed and if people want to go down that route, that route, we of course support them. What Judy will say, I don't know if Judy wants to jump in here is her big thing is to not linger in that phase. Do not stay with spoon feeding forever.
2: I think there was one more thing I would add. And that is when commercial baby foods came out, it felt like this huge convenience for parents when it, when it happened, because they didn't have it came in jars, it came in, it it seemed like the next sophisticated way to be able to feed your baby. And breastfeeding at that point was something that became more taboo Mm -hmm. that parents, you were looked less upon for breastfeeding. And it's, it's just so interesting how that's come full circle of what parents are doing and what it's like now. So it's just such an interesting way to look back at the history of food when you think, well, how different could it be? And it has, it's come a long way. And all the things Megan said, I, I couldn't agree with more, but the most important thing about starting your kids on, on any types of food is, not to linger in those purees because it it can get kids stuck and then and then then we have new problems to start to discuss then
1: you call judy
0: Well, Judy, as an occupational therapist, you may find this kind of interesting. So, I mentioned before that my daughter did not do well with the purees when we first made that switch to uh, solid foods. We were giving that a shot, but when we started doing baby-led weaning, she took to it like a master. Like the instant we put food in front of her and told her "have at it," she was eating like a champ, and everything was fine. It was the idea of actually putting the spoon in her mouth that she seemed to hate,
2: and that and that's what what you just said. And sometimes, especially if if a child has had a little bit of medical um, you know, experience in the hospital if they stayed a little longer than just the average 24 hours. And if they've had you know, things done to them, if they've had blood work, if they've had anything done to their face while they're in the hospital, they can develop certain reasons of just sort of saying, no, thank you, don't do that to me. So the more that they've learned to be able to experience things with their own hands, that's what they're. That's what they're hardwired in order to do is to learn to be able to do things all on their own. And they see us doing it. We model it back and forth to them. And as we model it, they're just sitting there taking notes, going, "Me do." I mean, you know, yeah. when you get, you know, if you leave a broom on the floor and your kid is, has seen you use the broom, what are they trying to do? They are trying to constantly imitate and model what we're doing. So, and they see us eat all the time.
0: Well that's also what's cool about this uh this book. I guess we can call it a cookbook. Uh, you got a ton of recipes in here, feeding littles and beyond. One hundred baby lead weaning friendly recipes the whole family will love. Each recipe is designed as sort of family style. Like you're not making children's portions with these recipes. You're making enough to feed a family or for a couple of different people. And I think that's so cool because I think you're right, Judy, that kids are watching us. So when if we're all sitting down and eating the same food, they might be more likely to give it a try versus the baby or the child has one thing and everybody else has something else. It could be you know, more off putting for them.
2: In the cookbook, there's something in the back called the visual index. Yes. So the whole thing is all about. You make the recipe, and then if you say, "Well, my my child is a brand new eater, beginning eater," you can look and see. Well, how would they recommend it at feeding littles? What would we do? How would we offer it to the baby? Even even as they get a little older, then there's another option of how how to be able to do that. So I think that Visual Index is such a unique, you know activity that we provide in there for parents to be able to visually just look at and go, well, I made the recipe, now what do I do? And it's right there for every single recipe.
0: I was laughing about it because I was looking at those pictures and I kept picturing myself inside of like a Chinese food restaurant where I'm looking at all the pictures on the wall like okay what is it that I like I always oh it's that one it's that one that looks like Mm -hmm. that that's what I want but it's so true like having the visual there really gives you a good perspective for how much because there will be days where I throw a bunch of food on a plate for my daughter my wife is like that is too much food she's never going to eat all that but I'm just I don't know I'm just thinking like well she wants a couple pieces of broccoli she wants some black beans she wants some corn like whatever and I'm like oh maybe I, I am giving her too much maybe I'm giving her anxiety by giving her too much food on her plate you know
1: well it's something you'll notice in the visual index in and, and also we have a whole bunch of pictures throughout the cookbook where you can yeah. kind of see like an adult plate a kid plate you know even on the cover you'll notice that the servings are very small and that's not because we're trying to control how much a child eats or promote them to eat less or anything like that it's strictly because we don't want to visually overwhelm them mm-hmm. and kids tend to need less than adults. And sometimes we have in our mind this idea that we need to load up their plate for them to eat. But it's like, if we were gonna to go to a new restaurant with food that we've never tried before and they put a huge platter in front of you, it feels so overwhelming to even start. You don't even know where to start. And it's like, you, you know, hold up your hands. and You're like, I don't even, I don't feel comfortable with this. The same thing can happen with a baby or toddler. If you give them a huge pile of broccoli and they're not really into broccoli, they might not touch it at all. But if you give them one piece of broccoli, then it might seem a little less scary. They might actually interact with it, touch it, pick it up. And if for some reason they don't eat it or they lick it and you know throw it on the ground, it's only one piece of food wasted versus mm-hmm. you know an entire huge pile of food. So it helps with that anxiety and, and reality of food waste as well.
0: And Megan too, what's great about this is as a parent, and you, if you're a first time parent, for sure, you're just trying to make sure you're getting the right foods to your child. You're trying to make sure your kid is getting the sustenance they need and the vitamins they need through the food, but you're also like, I don't know, can they eat spaghetti or whatever? Like, can they eat X, Y, Z? So this is a great option. This book, Feeding Littles and Beyond, gives you all these recipes that look absolutely delicious to me. And now I'm like, okay, well, this book was kind of designed to be shared with children. This is perfect. Now I know I can make this great lasagna and also give some to my daughter at the same time. We can all share in this. And Now I've taken the the need for creativity away from me and you've put it right in this book.
1: (laughs) that's kind of the feedback we keep getting. Um, people are saying it just is, it's helped unload that mental burden. What am I going to cook tonight? What am I going to make tonight? And we do not assume that everyone likes to cook or even wants to cook even one time a week. There's an entire section called I can't even in this book of things that you could do that are so easy. You literally just open jars, open containers, whatever, and throw them together. Um, and a lot of people will just stay in that section and that's all they're going to make. And that's totally okay. Um, even a lot of our tips in the recipes have, I can't even tips. So if it calls for say rice, well, you could all, all you could use pre-cooked rice mm. that you just have to heat up. You don't have to necessarily do every single step. If we say, you know, there's one recipe where you make a pesto, but you could also use jarred pesto. You don't have to go the whole way. If you want to make something for your family, those convenience items are lifesavers for us and you don't feel guilty about using them.
0: My daughter's favorite meal for a while, which was glorious for me because it was so easy to put together, was some black beans, corn, and broccoli. That was She would eat that nonstop every day if I would give it to her. Now she's kind of shied off the broccoli. For some reason, we've hit a point where we're no longer fans of broccoli. (laughs) But it was great for a little while.
1: (laughs) Well, do you want Judy to explain why? Yes, Judy, please tell tell me more about this, please. This is this is very
2: normal. What happens at this wonderful toddlerhood is all about them creating their own, like uh, me do it all by myself. It's my independence, but they become picky just developmentally. It's exactly what they they're hardwired to be able to do. And so what you do is what will create the next step. So, Jeff, you want to just keep on offering and and create more creativity around it. So, so maybe you play games with it, you, but you never stop offering it. Cause I think what parents get into a trap of doing is saying, oh, well, I'm now wasted broccoli again and again and again, I'm just not even going to offer it. And then all of a sudden you're short order cooking for her or him all the time. And then the child hasn't seen that broccoli we, poor broccoli 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 is always the product that we always talk about it is always the food of choice that people go to but you know maybe maybe you start by doing like a broccoli um dip you you mix broccoli into their ranch dip or you mix that into their hummus so that they begin to get that flavor but it's all about creating other kind of memories and other kind of um connections to their brain about this is okay. Even if they pick it up and use it as a scoop, you know, maybe they'll, they'll scoop up their hummus and put it in their mouth that way, using it as a spoon, as opposed to an actually, an actual stock of broccoli.
0: That's the current game we play right now, Judy, is my daughter. We try to give her like peppers and hummus and she uses the peppers oh. as a spoon. And she's better with the pepper as a spoon than a spoon as a spoon, which is kind of funny to me too. Uh, but that's it. So we have like six little, you know, pepper strips sitting on the floor, but all the hummus is gone.
2: <laughs> all the hummus is gone. And, and just keep eating it. And, you know, a good way of doing it too. Just like, I love that you've done all this already. You know, just keep exploring that with her and exposing her and showing her. And if she gets a little bit older, get her involved in the kitchen and cooking and being able to, what can she do? Can she help wash those peppers and get them in the bowl and help? cook them and and be involved. So don't give up. It's a very normal part of the the whole hierarchy of what they're going to do next. So Stay the course, stay with it, and she'll get there. I
0: promise. We're trying to get her into the kitchen with us. We've been on the market for a, uh, what do they call them? A learning tower, I think is what they call yeah. them. And my wife is on one of those mommy Facebook groups where all the parents kind of share things when they're done with them, puts them up on Facebook, says, first person to message me, get, you know, for $5, here, take this. But those go so fast, we can't seem to get them. <laughs> time oh, we're working that's on that's it we're trying. trying
1: okay you just you just put it out there i, I know now people will out. now people will know jeff can i give you a tip for broccoli specifically Please. that works with, i have two girls yes i don't know about your daughter mine were very into lipstick they oh. wanted capstick lipstick and this could be boys girls whatever but i would pretend that it was the um the chapstick from little mermaid how ursula like yeah. puts on her with the oyster or something weird we would dip it in the hummus and then put it on like chapstick and then I would say do you know do you want to do you want to crunch your your chapstick do you want to bite the lipstick and they think that's hysterically funny and that was that was always kind of an easy way for them to Segue into eating it without me forcing them. I never made them. I always gave them the option, but they, the lipstick thing was a massive hit for, for years for my girls. So try it. See if you like it.
0: You have entered into another world for me. And this, mm-hmm. this is, I, <laughs> I understand fully. So anybody listening that wants to get mad at me, I understand fully that kids are going to get messy. They need to experiment. This is a very important part of it. I don't do well with messes. Like there were times with my daughter when she was very young that I was getting physically ill looking at her with the food all over the place. I'm getting better, but it's been such a struggle of mine to try some of these things with her because I'm like, oh, my God, I just can't. I got to get out of the kitchen. There's too much. <laughs> well,
1: Judy, you should tell him your, your spiel on mess. Might make you feel a little bit more embracing yeah. with it.
2: Well, and I, I get it, I especially when you've got a 21-month-old right yeah. now. You're like, we've been doing this for a long time. So... My adage is if they can't feel it in their hands, they're less likely to put it into their mouth. Sure. So the more she's exploring with her hands, the more she's getting it. But there is, you know, there it's important to have some structure in the whole thing too. That, I mean, if you put food on the floor and, or excuse me, if you're putting food on, food on their tray or putting it on the table and it's immediately going onto the floor, then that's a little bit of a behavioral, like how can we interrupt that behavior? How can we change that? The whole idea of them getting into it, when they're much, much younger, is is laying down those pathways earlier. So when we get to the point where they're over 14 months, 16 months, things should be staying on the tray and way more should be going into their mouth. But, but the messy piece is important developmentally, and it doesn't have to stay that way for very long. Eventually, you're hopefully going to see way more going in their mouth, way more of them being interested in next steps of how it's gonna go in their mouth than it all going on the
0: floor. We've noticed that, uh, well, two things. One, we've noticed when things start to make it to the floor, that means she's done. That's her way of saying, I'm done, get rid of all this food that I have on my plate. And two, we always put bath time or bath day around spaghetti night. That's kind of how we plan that out because then we just go straight from the table to the bath.
2: (laughs) A tip that I would give you is at at her age right now, if there's a bunch of stuff on the floor, she's old enough to do this. You can put a bowl, Tupperware, whatever on the floor and just say anything on the floor you need to help pick up and put back in, mm. in the bowl and then gar- garbage disposal compost wh- wherever it's going to go and nine times out of ten parents will say they're eating more off the floor than they did on their tray so just giving them the idea of let's get this you know clean this up because she's old enough to understand the cleanup process now so i i love i love using that um as long as you're comfortable having them eat things off their, your
0: own floor. I mean, I think that plan is great. Unfortunately, she's competing with a husky that's probably going to get to it before <laughs> she does. So that's the challenge uh, that she'll face.
1: <laughs> well, that, there's a, you know, an element of we have dogs too. And it's funny when dogs and babies, when babies are born, dogs don't necessarily like them. Or yes. They're kind of tolerant or like, what is this? I don't get this. Suddenly my whole world has changed and all the attention is taken away from me. But when your dog realizes that your baby is going to eat. Oh yeah. And have food on their hands, food on the ground, food all over their tray, and they get to be part of that. Suddenly the dog's like, huh, this baby's not so bad anymore. What can happen is now your baby starts to feed the dog instead uh-huh. of feed themselves. And they they develop this beautiful symbiotic relationship, but they they need at some point some families do need to put their dogs in another place, another spot. I mean, I'd love to think that my dog was well behaved enough to go lay down on the ground and wait until we said, you know, time for you to clean up, but Usually we just put up a baby gate kind of in the other room and then we Judy will say, you know, release the hounds and let them come and clean up. And that can help if you find that your baby is just feeding the dog and not actually eating.
0: Megan, I have one last question for you because I know we're kind of running short on time, uh, but it's just a debate that I've been having with my friends and with our doctor. We don't really do dairy milk in our house. Um, so we have almond milk and coconut milk and things like that, uh, plant-based milks. And our doctor has been fully supportive of that. You know, there's other ways you can get the nutrients and the vitamins that come with milk. But we have friends who have kids the same age as our daughter, and their doctors are very, like, super, super into dairy milk, like, almost shame them for not using it if they choose not to. So what, what, is, the, what is the answer here? I mean, where, where do we lie on this? Is it an essential? Is this something that you can kind of get around? What do you think?
1: That is a really good question um, and one that we are literally asked every single day. And I think that every body and every family is different. Mm. Every family will be different with this. And so if you don't drink milk yourself, if it's not something that makes you feel good, if it's not something you want to bring into your home, there are other ways to do it. Milk can be a very convenient option for so many families. It is, you know, higher in protein, calcium, fat, essential nutrients for toddlers. It's a convenient way of getting those nutrients to your child. However, there's a lot of kids that doesn't work for. They don't feel good. It gives them rashes. It makes them, you know, it is causing symptoms for them. And maybe they can even eat cheese and yogurt, but fluid milk doesn't sit well with them. Well, we're not going to force somebody to drink something that they don't want. There are actually a lot of toddlers that won't drink it at all. Even if they've been doing, you know, breast milk or formula just fine and you transition to that and they just won't do it. Well, we're not going to sit there and force a child to drink something. There are so many other ways of getting those nutrients into your child. So what I always say is, Dairy milk is great. If that works for you and you like to do it and you want to do it fine, but there are so many other ways to get those nutrients. You could do an alternative milk. You could also just give them food and water and it's kind of shocking people that you can get those nutrients in that way. But if they're eating a convenient way is dairy foods. If they want, you know, a lot of kids don't necessarily love high calcium, non-dairy foods like leafy greens and, you know, almond butter and tofu. Those aren't always big toddler favorites. So it can be helpful to do cheese and yogurt, but a lot of families are completely dairy free and meet all their needs otherwise. So I, I, I don't think there's any one, one size fits all thing. The only thing that we are like very adamant on is make sure you're being safe with what you you offer your child. Right. But when it comes to milk, we're all going to do it differently.
0: Well, Megan McNamee and Judy Delaware, this book is fantastic. Feeding Littles and Beyond, 100 Baby-Led Weaning Friendly Recipes the Whole Family Will Love. You guys are great. I appreciate you so much. And you are fantastic being in different locations today. <laughs> this was awesome. So thank, thank you for you. all of your great insight. I appreciate you.
1: We appreciate you too. Thanks for this Thanks opportunity.
0: Big thank you to Megan McNamee and Judy Delaware for their time today. If you want to find out more about them, you can look them up on Instagram at Feeding Littles. You can also check out the book Feeding Littles and Beyond, 100 Baby Lead Weaning Friendly Recipes the Whole Family Will Love. It's available wherever you get your books. And thank you again to all of you for checking out the Adult Education Podcast. Here's to another 100 episodes.